0: Our scripture reading from John chapter 18, verses 28 through 40, I'll read on Monday, Thursday, on Holy Thursday, during our service this Holy Thursday. But we're going to go back to Palm Sunday this morning. We'll then move forward to John 18, but we will not get to the story of Jesus and Pontius Pilate until Thursday evening as we gather for soup and bread and to remember our Lord's passion together as a church family. So this morning, I will read from John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. All four Gospels have accounts from Palm Sunday. John's seems to be the shortest. So here's what John wants us to remember from Palm Sunday. And the, the context is, in John chapter 11, Jesus performed the ultimate miracle. He raised his friend, his beloved Lazarus, from the dead. So, as, you, as you'll hear in John 12, verse 12, the next day, right? So, this was right after Jesus performed this miraculous resurrection. The next day... The great crowd that had come for the Passover festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the King of Israel! Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written do not be afraid daughter Zion see your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt at first his disciples did not understand all this only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. The whole world has gone after him. On Palm Sunday and throughout Jesus' last week, on earth, we see three things. Jesus was in control. Jesus was sending a message and Jesus was forcing them and forces us to make a decision. Jesus was in control, Jesus was sending a message and Jesus forces them and us to make a decision. First on Palm Sunday at the start of the Jewish Passover festival, Jesus rode into the city of Jerusalem on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I don't know if you've ever tried to ride a donkey of a ho- or a horse that has not been broken, trained to carry a rider, but it is basically an impossible task add on to it the fact that Jesus was riding through a parade with thousands of screaming people, it seems extraordinary that this colt that had never been ridden is riding peacefully and calmly through the Palm Sunday Parade. And while riding a donkey is an ordinary means of transportation for an ancient person, this was an extraordinary ride. And this extraordinary ride into the city exercised Jesus' dominion over creation. On Palm Sunday, Jesus was in control. And Jesus chose to ride the cult, a foal of a donkey, to send a message as clearly and as powerfully as he possibly could without ever speaking a word. When the Jewish pilgrims saw Rabbi Jesus riding into the city on a donkey, they would have been reminded of what had transpired about a thousand years prior King Solomon rode into this very city perhaps on this same street on a donkey King David's mule they also would have been reminded of the words of the prophet Zechariah who prophesied about the coming of a king in Zechariah 9.9 he says rejoice greatly daughter Zion see your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, riding on a colt, the foal of a donkey. On Palm Sunday, Jesus was in control. Jesus was sending a message. I am your king, righteous and victorious, riding on a donkey. And Jesus's claim to be king forced the populace and the civic leaders to make a decision. And the decision that Jesus pushed on them is the same decision that Jesus pushes on you and I today. Do we welcome the king or dismiss the king? Are we excited about the coming of a king or do we stand in opposition to the coming of a king? On Palm Sunday, Jesus rode in and thousands streamed out. They went before him and they followed behind him and they fulfilled the words of the prophet Zechariah. Daughter Zion shouted. Daughter Zion, Israel rejoiced. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. The populace made their decision. They welcomed Their king. Jesus was in control. Jesus was sending a message, and Jesus was forcing them and forcing us to make a decision. This very same message, this proclamation of the coming of a king, was received by Jewish civic leaders, it was received by the judicial, legislative, and religious authorities. And this group of people who are identified in the scripture as chief priests, Sanhedrin, and Pharisees, they had already stood in opposition to Jesus. And now, on Palm Sunday, their opposition has intensified. They told one another after they looked out on the city and heard the hosannas. See? This is getting us nowhere. The whole world has gone after Jesus king jesus and they knew if jesus were king they would lose everything they would no longer be granted a seat at the table with the roman authorities they would they would lose the economic benefits of their position the status that they held in society and Jesus' enemies even said, if, if we let Jesus go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come, and they'll take away our temple, and our nation will lose everything. And their leader, the high priest Caiaphas, advised them, you do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish." They knew what they had to do. The leaders made their decision. They would oppose the king. Jesus was in control. He was sending a message and he was forcing them and forcing us to make a decision. Jesus' enemies plotted. They understood that their only opportunity to stop him would be to arrest him In secret, they had to find a way to separate Jesus from the crowd. And according to John's gospel, four days after Palm Sunday, on the day Christians remember as Maundy or Holy Thursday, Jesus gave his enemies their. Opportunity. I just want you to note that it is Jesus who is orchestrating the events that lead to his crucifixion on the cross and his resurrection on Easter Sunday. Jesus is in control. During the Last Supper on Maundy Thursday, Jesus announces and identifies Judas Iscariot as his betrayer. And at the table, the devil entered into Judas Iscariot. And if you know anything about Jesus' ministry, Jesus was the one who opened the eyes of the blind, opened the ears of the deaf, healed the lame and helped them to walk and cast out devils. As the devil enters into Judas Iscariot at the table during the Last Supper, Jesus has the power to cast out the devil. At any point, he can stop These events. Yet Jesus chooses not to act. Jesus is in control. John chapter 18 verse 1 tells us Jesus left with his disciples. They crossed over the Kidron Valley and on the other side there was a garden. He and his disciples went into it. Jesus chose the garden of Gethsemane because it was a quiet place. It was an urban garden, but within this city, it was one place where Jesus could be alone, separated from the crowds that followed him. It was the perfect place for a secret arrest. Jesus was in control. Right on cue, Judas Iscariot shows up. John 18, 3 tells us, so Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers, A Roman detachment of soldiers is 200 soldiers. And they came with officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. And they were carrying torches and lanterns and weapons. Judas came with the detachment of soldiers. They were prepared for battle. They were expecting that Jesus would do what every other king had always done. Jesus and his followers would fight to the death. But that's not how it happened. Verse 4, Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, Jesus, knowing all that would await him, asked them, Who is it you want? Who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus volunteered himself, preparing to surrender himself He says, I am he. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Just just take a moment to think about that. The enormity, the power. Jesus utters the words, I am he, and you have heavily armed Roman soldiers ...who are thrown to the ground. Jesus answered, I I told you, I am Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. If you're looking for me, then let these men go. I guess when you're thrown to the ground, you're willing to negotiate with the one you're looking to capture. Then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials... Arrested Jesus, they bound him, brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Jesus gives himself up without a fight, but before he gives himself up, he sends a message, and it's easy to miss this message, especially if, as English readers of the New Test of the New Testament. Because as English readers, we read it, Jesus, they ask, who are you looking for? Jesus asks, who are you looking for? They say, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus says these three words, I am he. However, when you read the New Testament in the ancient Greek, Jesus literally does not say, I am he. It is not three words, it's two words, and it's literally, I am. Jesus says, I am. Now, throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus is proclaiming, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. I am the sheep sheep gate. I am the resurrection and the life. And what is this obsession that Jesus has with proclaiming himself as the I am? The I am in John chapter 12 in the garden points to the first I am, which appears in Exodus chapter 3, when the Lord comes to Moses, speaks to him out of the burning bush, and Moses says, what is your name? And God the Father says, I am. Jesus is is proclaiming he's sending a message when he says I am he is saying I am God and he proves the validity of the claim to be God in the garden because with his word comes the presence and the power of almighty living God and these soldiers the the mightiest the strongest of warriors heavily armed cannot stand in the presence of God they are forced down to the ground And on the ground, the detachment of soldiers have a decision to make. Jesus is in control. He's sending a message and he's forcing them to make a decision. Will they stay down, bow down, and worship the living God? Or will they attempt to get up and have God, the king, arrested? And you know the story. They get up. They choose not to worship God and King. Instead, they arrest him. Jesus is in control. Jesus sends a message. Jesus forces them and forces us to make a decision. They lead Jesus to the home of the high priest. Jesus' enemies finally have Jesus outnumbered in all alone. For many of them, this is their first time getting close to Jesus. This is their first time looking into the eyes of the man who is claiming to be the Jewish Messiah. And they can't wait to get their hands on this Jesus, this blasphemer. They can't wait to convict the one they call false king and false prophet. And we learn in Mark's gospel in Mark 14... The chief, oh, let's rally, you know, you know how people rally together around an enemy, right? It's like, we really can't agree on much, the Sanhedrin, the chief priests, the Pharisees, they're always fighting within their own little religious clique, but finally, they can rally together because they find a common enemy in Jesus. They all get together, and they start searching, they put their minds together, and they look for evidence against Jesus, so they can put him to death. They don't find any. And many stood up and they testified falsely against him, but their statements didn't agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Once again, Jesus is in control. Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? Are are you the king? Are you God, the king? And Jesus said, again, two words, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do you need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him, worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him. They struck him with their fist and said, prophesy. The guards took him and beat him. On Palm Sunday, Jesus sends a message. I am the king. And on Holy Thursday, Jesus makes an even greater claim. I am God, the king. And according to their law, the claim to be God, the king, was blasphemy. Punishable by death. And this is no accident. Jesus is not a powerless victim. He did not break due to their interrogation. Jesus is in control. Jesus is sending a message. Jesus is forcing them and forcing us to decide. And in the words of theologian John Stott. You and I must welcome him or dismiss him. Worship him or stop him. Crown him as king or kill him. Because when it comes to people claiming to be God the king, there is no middle ground. As C.S. Lewis famously asserted, either Jesus is who he says he is, the I am, the king, or he is a liar, a lunatic, a madman. Either he is God the king and worthy of everything, or he is worthy of nothing. And I know that this sounds extreme. It's Palm Sunday. We're the palms. We just came to wave our palms and sing, Hosanna, Hosanna, right? It's enough. And and I am a person who is wary of extremes. I, I, I think that it's just the way I was raised by my parents. To be wary of extremes. Be wary of political extremes. Be wary of those who go on extreme diets. Be wary of extreme exercise. Be wary of extreme laziness. Just be wary of extremes. And so in all areas of my life, I am a person, when I see extremes, kind of get the the hairs on my back, kind of stand up. Yet Jesus on Palm Sunday, on Monday, Thursday, is making extreme claims about himself and he is pushing you and I to take extreme action on his behalf. And so I would, I would say be wary of extremes in every area of your life except for when it comes to Jesus Christ. And here is the reason Jesus can make extreme claims and demand extreme action be taken by you and I on his behalf. He's taken extreme action on your behalf. He's the one who went to a great extreme so that you would be considered through faith in Jesus Christ, a son or daughter of the most high God. He was the one who took extreme action on your behalf so that you would know the love of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is the one who took extreme action on your behalf, giving up his very life so that you and I might find life with God now and forever. He is God the King, righteous and victorious, lowly and taking the form of a servant. He is God the King. He's not coming to kill but to die. He is God the King who didn't come to welcome the strong or the righteous into his court, but sinners into his kingdom. He is God the King who so loves the world that he laid down his life that we might find life. When you truly recognize that Jesus is God the King, when you see that he loves you, in the way that he demonstrated his love for you. You won't dismiss him, arrest him, or kill him. You won't be able to help, but welcome him, worship him, and crown him as your God and king. This Palm Sunday, the question is not, is Jesus God and king? He is God and king. The question is, will you, will I, Make Jesus our God and our King. Will you welcome him into the dark corners of your life? Will you prioritize worshiping him? Will you crown him by serving his people and obeying his word? On Palm Sunday, Jesus was in control. Jesus sent a message, and he forces you and I to make a decision. Amen.